I'm David Belson. And I'm Rachel Redan. And this is the Branding London Podcast. The first season is brought to you by Libro Credit Union, a group of epic humans focused on increasing prosperity in southwestern Ontario. They have just launched a new campaign, My Life Here, which fits the theme of this podcast quite nicely. To learn more, go to libro.ca slash mylifehere. This interview is with Titus Ferguson, the executive director of Springboard, formerly known as Unlondon here in the city. Uh, Titus and I actually go way back. He worked uh, at our attraction back in 2011, and it was great to reconnect with him and uh, share his, uh, his vision for the city. We would like to acknowledge the history of the traditional territory and honor the longstanding relationships of the three local First Nation groups of this land and place in southwestern Ontario. The Ottawandaran peoples once settled this region alongside the Algonquin and Haudenosaunee peoples and used this land as their traditional hunting grounds. The three long-standing Indigenous groups of this geographic region are the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, and the Lenni-Lenape peoples. I'd like to recognize the three First Nations communities neighboring the city of London, Chippewas of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, and Muncie Delaware Nation. We continue to honor the legacy of the space we're in by using the Roundhouse to tell stories, increase collaboration, and work with our clients to improve human lives. We believe that telling the stories of our fellow Londoners will help bring us together to solve problems. So the first question, because we are recording it for the podcast as well, is uh, name, function, and and kind of what you do there. Yeah. So, well, my name is Titus Ferguson. My uh, my role is, is... uh, broad. Uh, it's a it's a big question. You can spend a lot of time unpacking. Uh, <laughs> I'm wearing a couple hats right now. Uh, so, without getting into too much of the history, um, which is interesting to, to very few people, but uh, a uh, I've served as the uh, the executive director of an organization which is now called Springboard, formerly Unlondon, which your listeners will be aware of. Uh, we rebranded as Springboard uh, in the late fall of last year. Really building that out now um, in in 2018. That's been my role for for quite some time. But I've taken a step back from the day to day of uh, of that, and uh, we'll unpack why and what that means probably at some point. Um, but uh, so in addition to to serving in that function over the last five years or so, um, more recently I've been working as a you know, catch-all consultant in a variety of industries uh, with an, an agency or, or special project studio, we call it, okay. uh, called Foreman Foundry, which does uh, work in the broad field of innovation, um, but uh, predominantly in um, uh, sort of civics, I would say. Okay. You know, civics as a term, a uh, little bit of marketing experience, strategy, some branding, a uh, little bit of uh, education. Uh, anything that we can bring a, a new perspective to uh, to an industry around. Those two things work in tandem, though. Springboard and Foreman Foundry are um, two sides of a many-sided coin mm-hmm. that uh, that I find myself in the middle of. I completely understand because um, we're in a TV studio in the middle of my company, which is uh, you know a digital marketing company. Um, so yeah, I think the entrepreneurial spirit we get it all sorts of challenges uh, and use our structures around us to, to do what we want to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's hard because 
do need to succinctly explain what you do and, and how it's structured. Um, and it's not enough to say, well, I do, uh, it's not about how I do it, it's, it's what I do, mm -hmm. doesn't, uh, doesn't answer the question. But that's ultimately the, the approach I've taken. You know, does it matter what my title is or, or who I'm doing it for? I, I'm a, you know, attempting to deliver value back to, uh, to my clients, to my community, to the, the people who aren't looking for a brand to, to partner with, but really something that will, will achieve their goals again. Cool. But. So then, you know, something that people might not know if they're listening in, uh, you were an attraction employee at one point. Sometimes you yeah. bring, forget because it was a while ago. <laughs> it was almost, yeah, coming up on uh, seven years, maybe six, eight, one, eight 2009, 2010, 2009, 2011. Wow. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. So that's why sometimes I forget. But, you know, the the marketing digital experience sort of uh, there was some cross trajectory. Yeah, there. Uh, sometimes I forget to mention that, but certainly was uh, that was sort of a really uh, pivotal period for us uh, because we were transitioning. I think more from a, a technical production house to a uh, marketing and design yeah. agency. So that era was when we started focusing on more the storytelling and, and marketing side yeah. than the technical. So it was kind of a pivotal era. That yeah, we were part well, of. it was pivotal for me as well too. I was you know moving from environmental consulting into <laughs> Uh, what was more of my passion, my interest, mm -hmm. and my skill set around, you know, I guess, marketing, storytelling, uh, social media, mm -hmm. and, and community building all rolled into one. And you guys sort of went out on a limb and, and took a, a risk on, on some young guy who uh, happened to be on Twitter early. That was my <laughs> only qualifications. <laughs> well, for, for a few people, that was a <laughs> qualification and worked out great uh, yeah. in the early days for us. Uh, what's interesting, you know, you had us doing, uh, trying to do workshops and uh, the social media as a as a revenue stream, if I recall correctly, and you know, just thinking about innovation and how journeys happen. But we're now back to actually eight years later. Turns yeah. out you were right. It's a great idea. <laughs> we're having some great success with it. I've had a number of good ideas <laughs> at the wrong time. <laughs> I yes, we were talking about a project that our traction was involved in. That you know, I think uh, which one? Was, we can, uh, we can name a number of them. Link. Uh, link. Oh, talking um, about uh, Idea Forge. If you remember Idea that project as well too, which great. I think if we were to launch now would take off. Amazing. Yeah. Um, things yes. like that. Schooly yeah. Link. We're now finally starting able to to get some of the. <laughs> The information out of the school systems that we thought we could get 12 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's a long story. Underestimated bureaucracy. That's the, the short summary there. Yeah. You know, you've been in London. Uh, so my next question is, you know, why are you here? What keeps you in London? Yeah, so I have family close by. I think yeah. Yeah, you got to sort of acknowledge that mm -hmm. uh, roots. Uh, grew up just outside of the city. I went to, uh, went to Western, found work right away. Mm -hmm. The work that was uh, rewarding and interesting and like we were just talking about, rewarded me with an opportunity to you know, pursue my passions. Um, so what started as maybe familiar roots became my own professional roots. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, don't, I, don't, I feel bad calling them successes, but you know maybe some success in that space. And uh, recognizing the role that people played in my life who were also committed to London, mm -hmm. wanted to, to do the same. So I've, I've stuck around. Mm -hmm. That's the nice heartwarming reason why. <laughs> the other reason is just you know, financially practical to live here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, low cost of living, you know, close proximity to other places if I want to, to get away. Um, both my wife and I have uh, you know, been blessed with great opportunities that, um, you know, We've, we've been able to leverage into other experiences. We can get to Toronto quickly if we want that uh, that experience, but I don't need to have 
uh, a house in the middle of you know suburbia mm-hmm. um, and uh, and those things you know are kind of we talk a lot about that reason um, but uh, I don't want to underestimate it as, as well it, I would say um, I don't know that I've had somebody I've talked to you yet that hasn't articulated that in, yeah. in one way or the other the the pace um whether you know the pace the commute you know they, they've had either really positive experiences here or really negative experiences in other uh, <laughs> other communities either way yeah. that um well i don't want to downplay i mean the the it it is predominantly an, an economic reason mm-hmm. the pace of life drives me nuts here at times mm-hmm. we take so long and we are so cautious about some things because we're trying to respect a, a quote-unquote pace of life or mm-hmm. a, a quality of life that's, you know, been, it's unnecessary. Um, and so my opportunity to go to these other communities, to, you know, to work in Toronto, to work with partners, uh, to, you know, to be out in Vancouver or down in the States, I can get that sort of, you know, we have a good idea, let's run with it now, see if it works. Yeah. But I wish we had more of that here, you know, this, you know, wanting to move quickly and to experiment and iterate uh, and do all those things doesn't mean that you have to lose a a quality of life pace. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we've we've combined the two of those together. Um, but uh, you know, the, the quality of life piece you can't underestimate. I was talking to some people uh, this week who had uh, moved out of Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Complaining, I mean, Vaughn's just a concrete jungle. There's you know yep. one park and nowhere to go. Well, we don't have that problem here. No, nope. you know, we've got some incredible resources from the natural environment that we've sort of protected and built out it's easy to get around the city could be easier but you know put it into perspective i think people that complain a lot about the challenges of getting around or what's going to change as we roll out new infrastructure projects uh are so focused or narrowly focused on their own experience yeah. without a perspective that uh, um, other communities could have could have given them okay. so um that piece there, and then back to I guess your question about why I'm not in Vaughn. I still feel, despite that complaint, uh, it's a city where if I want to try something, I can you know try, mm-hmm. uh, and not just on my own. I can find people who will partner with, or you know, it's easier to open doors. I say this as a you know a white guy with some you know privilege, but you know, it's uh, there's opportunity here. Mm-hmm. And the the opportunity um, that I don't think I'd be able to build up as quickly if I was to to relocate. So there's a little bit of, of sunk costs now. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, and I, I feel very <laughs> similar, both on the the personal side. You know, our kids are in some great schools, and yeah. um, you know, obviously professional to restart the network all over again in another city. It's sort of a terrifying yeah, but the same thing is like declaring the you know uh, email bankruptcy. <laughs> kind of like, well, well, could I? Could I? Yeah, maybe. I've I've almost hit the button on email yeah. bankruptcy a couple of times. Yeah. Still never done it. But yeah. um, what do you think that London does better than anywhere else? <laughs> we talked about <laughs> complaint. <laughs> complaint. Yeah, we do. Honestly, um, we do a better job of of talking about why we can't do things as opposed to uh, you know. And then that's tongue in cheek. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I think uh, crosses industries, crosses sectors, people groups. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But what we do better than anyone else is uh, create content, mm-hmm. create really engaging content about other people, yeah. and not about ourselves. <laughs> right. So that's uh, there's two sides to that again. 
but uh, you know, obviously we're I'm steeped in the digital creative uh, sectors, and I know the amazing content and, mm-hmm. and experiences that we do there. We punch above our weight uh, in that that industry, be a gaming industry, be a digital media content, uh, or the emerging VR and AR fields. That's uh, you know definitely something that we've uh, got core competency core competency around. Um, we we could apply some of that thinking, I think, to uh, the, the city, which is why mm-hmm. I think you're having this conversation, yep. to the successes here as well, too. But maybe that's what we also do really well is we don't, uh, we're, it's not humble because that's not fair to it. It's like um, we we take such a backseat to the projects that uh, you know we're creating content around. Mm-hmm. We don't do a good job of building out the, the story about how we're able to do this. Yeah, it's a you know common theme and one that I would share is um, I don't know if it's self confidence is the right word, um, but there's a lack of confidence, a lack of um, you know. So we do these great things, but we kind of say here's a great project maybe, and when you can compare and contrast to other communities, uh, maybe that individual project doesn't match up against the greatest project that, that community has ever built. But on its own, it's a pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing thing, yeah. and even if you were to compare and contrast it, you know, I, lo- I love the term sort of you know punching about the weight belt because you know for a city of four hundred thousand, some of the innovations that we have from medical to manufacturing to you know the digital creative side, um, I think are you know again per capita pretty amazing yeah. innovations. Yeah, we've we've led in a number of spaces. Uh, one thing that I've been passionate about for years, and you and I have worked on this before in the past, has been around digital government, open data. Yeah, we were the third country in Canada that opened our data sets third back city. in two thousand and nine. Yeah, then we stopped. <laughs> right? and that's the story for I think a lot of things. Yeah, we were great. We led, and then we stopped, and we stopped long enough to let everybody catch up lap us and then we're like oh but wait we're, we're over here doing this thing and yeah. uh that's we got to change that if we're going to develop a brand develop an identity and, and find a place inside you know a uh a regional um uh conversation or a regional approach and that's what's changing now mm-hmm. is that we're not about uh distinct geographic cities or, or uh, areas we're now about you know collaborations Look at what KW and Toronto have done around the innovation corridor, mm-hmm. the language in there. You see that down, you know, the valley mm-hmm. space there. Um, in in other successful um, communities, regardless of the industry, they talk about their region more than they talk about a particular piece. We're uh, going to have a, a very daunting challenge because we are geographically isolated. Yeah, we've celebrated that isolation as a selling point mm-hmm. from like the. Uh, you know, test bed that's you know not influenced by by outsiders, yep. uh, by being such a, a, a perfect demographic representation of of the ideal customer. Yep. Um, by you know our spot along a um, uh, a logistics chain. Yep. But not part of that chain as well too. So that's served us well. Yep. Or we we thought that it served us well. I think, and this is probably coming up from your other conversations. We started to hear the the challenges with that in the the sixties and seventies with the loss of a lot of uh, you know big headquarters in London yep. moving elsewhere because they wanted a uh, a more regional approach and if we had heard those or seen the writing on the wall and started to to create a, a regional strategy then we probably wouldn't have felt the 
the pinch that we had through you know a series of, of recessions and, and be even having come this conversation yeah we would have done infrastructure differently we mm -hmm. would have done economic development differently we would be a, a much different city uh than we are now it's interesting because i've had um the isolation as you sort of alluded to come up as both a positive and a negative yeah um and i think it really depends on what lens you look at it through yeah oh and i can i can you know, play a double dive go on the other side yeah. too. i can argue either point <laughs> yeah. and, and say that it's both a great thing and a bad thing but um yeah, steve bolton from libra was the first to kind of challenge the you know should we be looking at this as a you know london ontario story or a regional story because libra was in southwestern yeah. ontario more broadly so i think he has an um a lens or an ability to see that the region in a different way than those of us that just sort of operate at the level yeah here for sure I wanted to, um, you know, you're involved in the Smart Cities initiative here at the city. So can you give maybe a, a one minute or two minute kind of what is what a smart city initiative yeah. is? Because that's sure. come up recently. Yeah. So yeah. Curious what you're working on there. So so smart cities, people often think it's about sensors and technology and, and big data all connected together. And it, it is. There's definitely an element of that. But a smart city is really one that uses uh innovation and data and technology, uh, we'll call it resident-centric design principles, bringing them all together and creating a comprehensive uh, strategy for moving a city forward into the 21st century. So it's how do you bring together your IT decisions with your uh, planning, with infrastructure, with economic development, social services, really under a, um, a way of thinking about how the resident experiences those mm. that's a smart city strategy so we resident just put, focused what's that that? we're like very resident very focused. resident focused yeah. yeah so how's the but the resident experience you know for for somebody in our community um we just put in our application to the uh the smart city challenge that uh infrastructure canada had put out went in on a, uh this week so i guess last week of may mm -hmm. or of uh, april. april yeah and uh the, the focus for that piece was, yeah, building out some technology, building out some some tools and some platforms, but really building a city of neighbors, mm -hmm. um, which is another thing that we could do well in, in this city. Um, we have lots of, of neighborhoods, lots of people with some sort of neighborhood pride and, and, and small pockets of uh, civic identity, mm -hmm. but we don't have an overall um, collaborative neighboring uh sort of community here it's still very much a you know pockets of people that know each other mm -hmm. but not uh done in a, a comprehensive citywide way and so we're hoping that through the smart city you know, model by bringing together all these pieces and focusing on the resident and, and their sense of what it means to be in place we can create that uh, that sense of of neighbor uh and that's the the vision i've got for for london it's a city of, of neighbors not just of, of physical space for the you know connection no and i mean the human connection whether yeah. you take that across digital to um, yeah. you know is really the end goal of pretty much any piece of technology i think is you know better human connections that's probably a debate we could have yeah. over beer sometime uh for the purpose of this podcast <laughs> um let's talk about you know you use the word innovation mm -hmm. and we tend to throw that term around but it means different things to different mm -hmm. people so uh as we explore the conversation of innovation i like to know your definition of innovation how do you think about innovation yeah so i think about it in the terms of doing something that no one's done before in a way they haven't done before using a platform they've never used mm -hmm. so it's all just uh, uh, about a stepping out from the oh 
the established way and, and just forging your own path. And I think uh, next question to that is, you know, do you see examples of that innovation happening in the city and, and where? I think there there are. Um, I'm, I think we, we can band around the term a little too um, freely mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, there's definitely innovation going on in um, in some some industries. I, I, my focus is on, on the digital creative. That's yeah. what I know. And so there's people who are really pushing the limits of ground uh, e-commerce and uh, digital marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're really um, leveraging platforms in ways that they may not have been intended to be used and getting some really interesting results out of that. Can you give specific so, examples? Yeah, are those under- one, one of those that, uh, you know, so after I left, here in 2011, I joined a, a, a digital gaming startup, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, back then and even still now, uh, Big Viking Games was working around uh, HTML5 as a platform for delivering multimedia content, specifically games that yep. weren't on a particular platform. They could be cross-platform and taking the experience um, so that you you didn't uh, it, it was seamless. Mm-hmm. That was innovation because that wasn't how HTML5 was intended to be used as a as a technology, and they were really pushing it uh, in that way. Uh, I don't know if they're still doing that. That's an example yeah, yeah. out of the loop uh, on that one. Uh, now, what we're seeing around uh, virtual reality and augmented reality and, and mixed reality, mm-hmm. you know, being used as an application for training. Mm-hmm. So, some of my work in in technology and education comes into this, where we're able to create simulated environments and let people learn in those spaces without having to invest in building out simulations, physical simulations, we can use digital ones. Uh, so some work being done by a few companies in town uh, in that space. Um, more sort of uh, innovation around some hardware uh, technology. So how can we bring, um, uh, again, education space, and teaching kids coding and computational thinking using uh, hardware, which is a change in how we typically taught coding. It was very much a uh, you, know, you know, virtual space on on the computer or you know, uh, digital. Now we're bringing in hardware into that equation and helping kids to see the connection between writing a line of code and, and seeing something happen in the real world. Mm-hmm. So preparing them maybe for the the Internet of Things down the road, but yeah, definitely. you know, where that what they do on their computer has real world implications. The way of thinking about uh, learning technology from a uh, creation as opposed to just a consumption is a mm-hmm. piece that I think there's some work that uh, has really been led by groups like Ladies Learning Code mm-hmm. or you know, Fair Chance Learning and uh, and others who that thinking is we need to be uh, yeah, creators, not just not just consumers. I think that's that's an innovation in, in the education space. Um, yeah, I think that that's sort of where, where <laughs> I good, yeah. sort of leave it. This is good, some good examples. Yeah. And, and I think that it is a little bit of a continuum around innovation. It's not a black or white thing. Right. Um, but I, I always sort of shy away from calling the very early forms of innovation and rewarding them because I think they still got to we have to encourage and push those to step even further outside of comfort or established norms or uh, what, uh, what's been done elsewhere. Back to the regional sort of nature of this because we're a little bit uh, isolated, we can take something from another place and apply it here and, and brand it as innovative. Mm. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to think about, well, if 
we should be we should be branding things or identifying things as, as innovation or as uh, you know, paradigm shifts or whatever language we use, not by our own, we would call it that, but by what would somebody from not here right. come here and see as, as innovative. And then we have to have some tough conversations about some of the, the industries in town, which are actually innovative, but we don't really want to sort of, you know, give a lot of uh, um, sort of maybe support around. We, you know, so we look at the, uh, um, military mm-hmm. and the work going on in, in those industries, and it's it's hard to yeah. to call some of that innovative because it, it's you know it's the military, it's war. Yeah, <laughs> and and but there's there's definitely things around manufacturing or process around uh, you know the even the, the way that they do business that's that's really innovative. And, and people from outside of our city, our country, are are coming here and and, and investing in that. So yep. we have to give that credence. Yeah, I think it's one of those uh, that's going to be, uh, depending on uh, political views, uh, you know, either great that that innovation is happening here or, or not so great. Um, but I think it's a, I would agree with the core um, that there's some amazing innovations happening uh, in that that sector here. Um, Peter Pagescato called it out, you know, specifically as one of the, um, the you know, the, what General Dynamics is doing is yeah. it's hugely innovative. So, um, and uh, you know, I. I agree that it's one of those, uh, there are going to be certain sectors, uh, you know, manufacturing, you know, if we had a strong chemical industry, you can have innovation in that, but you have to take into consideration the offsetting pollution. So, you know, I I don't think there's a black or white answer on any industry. I mean, digital creative, I think we're great because we don't do anything wrong, right? No, of course not. Nothing nothing bad's happened from Twitter or any of the software that we've done in social media, right? But we're willing to look (laughs) past that because it, it, it's um, for whatever reason it's online. Or yeah, it's you know, not in your backyard. Yeah. But, uh, I would argue that, uh, and hopefully nobody from Twitter is listening, but that Twitter is more dangerous to global safety at the moment than uh, General Dynamics uh, land systems. Uh, but yeah, even the internet in general, with what's been going on, uh, allowing. Uh, groups with very, very divergent, not normal views, giving them a platform that they can connect and share dangerous ideas. You know, so you even, uh, so when I said digital creative, is, uh, and I was very, you know, sarcastic and tongue in cheek because we have to recognize that we can cause harm with the tools that we develop as well. So it's not a, yeah, I don't ever think it's a black and white issue on, on those things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm infam- infamously in the gray. Uh, it drives people crazy as well. So I'll move on from that. <laughs> um, when you're out, you know, you, you're involved with some uh, provincial projects, you know, when you're out um, talking about the city, what do you say about it? Yeah. So uh, I think it's a, a, a great place to uh, to launch an idea, mm-hmm. to, to prove its um, place and to um, see if it would scale mm-hmm. and then to uh, hopefully do that here um so you mentioned a bunch of provincial projects you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the work i've been doing in open and digital government um i mentioned we did lead in some of that yeah. around open data around you know open government uh and uh, we start to see these groups like civic tech uh start you know become uh, a big movement uh, globally and, and definitely across canada as well mm-hmm. well we had an open data group back in 2009 10 
so we, we led there. Yeah. We used to do the speaking circuit. Yeah, we used to do the speaking circuit. Yeah, we were probably some of the first people paid to to talk about, uh, yep. you know, open data and digital governance. Um, so I, I still come back to, to that point. I mean, one story around that is in the, oh, was it the 2012 uh, um, municipal election, I believe? We ran a campaign, the Hack the Vote. Yep. Campaign. I mean, try running that by any you know uh, city now. A campaign mm. called "Hack the Vote." It would never fly, <laughs> uh, but we did it. Might here. have to have a different name, right? But yeah, <laughs> and and it was well received, and, yep. and we you know went somewhere with it. I wish that we'd grown bigger and yeah. had a bigger impact on it, but uh, it it launched a number of really cool initiatives. Yep. Uh, some of the work I did more in uh, the, the the creative, not even the digital creative piece uh, with things like the uh, Lola Festival, mm-hmm. uh, which was a you know, multi-day, multidisciplinary uh, music, art, digital uh, festival in, in Victoria Park. Uh, launched in uh, 2007, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that the work that we did on Lola for five years launched things like on london mm-hmm. like um uh, london fuse which then launched a number of things around you know community development yep. and, and neighboring and those types of projects so ideas and so back to your question what do i tell people like a small idea can really take off mm-hmm. and become a spark that will you know produce uh, a lot more of an impact so do you think london has an identity problem oh yeah it does it does and have, do you think that's a problem for the city it's the second part I of that question it has a internal um, collaboration problem mm-hmm. which results in a confidence issue which mm-hmm. then results in, in a uh, divergent uh, message um, so what happens as a result is that we're not talking externally from the same uh, sort of you know, page book and we're sharing so many um, different ideas and consequently it's a jumble and that that works in uh in some ways we mm-hmm. can we can attract from people who want a wild west environment mm-hmm. but that's not a scalable um uh, approach right we have to sort of coalesce around a uh around confidence in, in who we are and what we can be and then you know we can have a core theme or identity message mm-hmm. and language with some not divergent but different uh, ways that that's being implemented and, and applied. Um, yeah. yeah, what is that? You know, where again, my whole theory was around maybe the common thread, and this is what I'm exploring is that, you know, it's really about human innovation or improving. Uh, it, it sounds sort of corny and don't need to think some language through, but it's like improving the quality of human life whenever those um, issues come up we're good at trying to solve those whether yeah. it's through medicine or through uh, even you know when you talk advanced manufacturing you're taking the more dangerous routine work and replacing mm-hmm. that with systems or software yeah. or robots that uh, can handle the routine work and that leaves the creative uh, capacities for the human to solve the, the more yeah. complicated problems in a business and you know, the theory would go that that's uh, you know, more meaningful engagement yeah. work um, so I, you know, I really, I see that as a common thread, but I don't know if that's enough to build or, or the right thing to build a, a brand yeah. for a city. My, my comment on that is what's distinguishing about that. Yeah. Like every community wants that or mm-hmm. is that, or is accomplished in some way. 
because that's the core of, of what makes us human. Yep. Is that we're trying to you know, drive forward, drive yeah. forward. Yep. I don't think you could, you know, sit down with somebody and, and say, you know, are you just happy with the, the way things are? Mm-hmm. You know, Amish communities, and you know, but they're, you know, not watching our lives. <laughs> um, but so I think that there's something to start there from, but then we have to take it a, a step later mm-hmm. into that and, and what type of innovation you know, we need to identify the the varying ways that we can innovate you know be it on on process on platform on technology or um, you know, collaboration and whatever and pick one type of, of innovation if we if we want that to be brand mm-hmm. and go all in around that um, otherwise we're just going to join the cacophony of uh, you know smart cities and innovative cities mm-hmm. and uh, you know even what we talked about with resident centered cities that's not really that innovative we're just kind of mm-hmm. catching up again too mm-hmm. so interesting yeah it's a said i'm hoping to i fully expected this process to put out some some theories and some ideas and as i said some somebody smarter <laughs> come along and then, uh, then me will come on and say oh well, this is probably what you should do and uh, we'll hopefully all cheer and, and agree that that was a great idea. Uh, but at the point that we got to first solve is how are we going to collaborate, right? I, I would love that too, but until, yeah. and I think you're doing a great job by bringing together so many different right, voices from different organizations and perspectives. Um, and, and maybe the first thing you're going to see come out of this is how everybody talks the same way by being the, you know, the, the constant. There's the a few constants. You're yeah. starting to see, oh, okay, this is a theme. And I wouldn't get too quickly to, well, this is what we're going to be or what we need to do, but rather, yeah. hey, do you know we're all talking yeah. in this way? Um, and that's something to, to start with. Yeah, what's interesting, you know, again, the common pools, there's definitely, you know, if you draw Venn diagrams on the different opinions, there's some huge overlaps. Uh, what's interesting through this process is, you know, you're saying we should pick one innovation theme. Um, and that'll make it easier to tell our story. And then there's um, some other people that have said the exact opposite. That the, one of the great things about London is that we don't have a common innovation theme. It would be dangerous to to do that. Uh, I don't think either viewpoint is wrong. I think there is uh, a choice that we have to make collectively to acknowledge that we're not going to have one or that we're going to have one or allow one to emerge organically, but recognizing that there, you know, we maybe can't pull out a common theme, right? So how do we do all these different yeah, different voices coming to the table. I don't, I guess I don't think it's a right or wrong answer, um, but hopefully we can start to really focus in on what the common things are. And I, you know, I'm only interviewing a small subsect of city of London, uh, but you start getting to the point that uh, you recognize that there is that pattern going. So, yeah, just another meeting up here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. last... I mean, the other piece too that we're going to really have a challenge around is is brand, actual mm-hmm. city name. Did yeah. you know that we're the second largest London in the world? I did. Right, and so yeah. that, that there's no other city named after another major, already defined, world class city that gets any bigger than what we're at. Yeah. And bigger isn't necessarily the goal, but we're, you know, we're going to be stifled. Yeah, and so that's a tough conversation we need to have, and I don't want to have it just as a throwaway hashtag campaign on Twitter, but no. really, uh, like do we strive for some like uh, uh of our own ideas really is what it comes down to mm-hmm. or do we want to play in the shadow behind the the uh, those who are who, whose names we've just stolen and, and built on 
Yes. So we need to really think about that longer term than just, you know, let's rename the city something else. Yeah, no, and I, um, I agree. That's a very interesting challenge. And again, I've, I've heard a few different arguments on either side, and I don't know that they're, again, that's a very complicated issue. I would, I would as a I branding mean, person, I would prefer to have. It's not complicated at all. Cities rename themselves all the time. Yeah. Swaziland just renamed their entire country. Yeah. It's not complicated. <laughs> it's because we are afraid. Yeah. The fear is driving so much of this of of human life generally, and that's mm-hmm. so concentrated in this city as well. Too. That's There's interesting. A fear yeah. of uh, of progress. There's a fear of change. There's there's a fear of the other, fear of the unknown, fear of your own. The confidence comes back to it as yep. well too. And so, I, I think know, a confident city would have an easier time picking a new name. For oh, example. yeah, it would have a, a lot easier time in round public engagement around any topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but this might come back down to the industries that Palm were built, which mm-hmm. don't really allow for uh, a you know confidence. Mm-hmm. Farming, insurance, banking these are not these are risk adverse. Risk adverse. Yep. It is is not confidence. Risk aversion isn't confidence. Yep. It's a you know uh, a fear. Really, is what risk aversion is. So the industry is built around fear. So the city just builds itself out of this worry and. Uh, sort of actuary tables. We're, we're a table of act, or a city of actuaries, mm-hmm. and and that's um, we got to you know, own that. We got to sort of move beyond it, uh, and and maybe there's a room to innovate around that space. I think that what London Life from a a parent parent company might be able to do around power core and, and the work that they're doing mm-hmm. and some of the investments they're making might trickle down uh, into London Life and, and those uh, those branded companies and that's it's going to take the big shifts the big institutions in the city embracing something uh around community driven innovation mm-hmm. to order really move the city somewhere different so insurance banking the university as well too like mm-hmm. these things have to change otherwise it's going to be no offense to you or i the people like, oh, small little voices mm-hmm. with maybe some influence but we need to apply that influences to the to the big uh, companies and brands and identity that London has uh, nationally and, mm-hmm. and globally as well. Well, well so ramble know, there, Rand. I don't know. Well, no, sense. no, it's great. No, I, I think I, I get what you're saying, um, and, I, and I do agree with. Oh, are we getting comments? Uh, we did get some comments. Oh, I didn't okay, see sorry. any questions, right. uh, so I, I won't read those out. But uh, I, they look like good comment um, okay. about you know the the project. Oh, okay. itself uh no specific comment so uh we are at time but i would you know if you do have uh, a last minute thought or no, that was it to, you yeah. had your last uh rant so thanks so much for no, thank coming you. on and participating and we'll uh as we unfold we may reconnect around specific issues but yeah. uh that's it cool. thanks so much thanks you David and I have put our time into recording the Branding London podcast because we love this city and, more importantly, the people in it. Our traction decided to produce this podcast because this work is aligned with our core focus of amplifying great stories to increase relevance, impact, engagement, and momentum. If you'd like to support us, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash brandinglondon. 
Your generous support will help us to promote this season into more channels so that more people can hear London's good news stories and it'll help us fund future seasons. To find recaps, videos of some interviews, our Patreon link, or more information about us in this podcast, you can visit ourtraction.com slash podcast. Production assistance for this series was provided by Webisodes. Special thanks to Adam Kaplan for his help with recording the live streams and providing the audio from those interviews. We're also grateful for the technical production support of Michael Dales. Thanks for listening. Like what you hear? Subscribe to the Branding London podcast, like our traction on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 